This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's scenic treasure coast. And bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio, available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, on yesterday's show, I asked a, a simple question. Do you think... That the arrival of the so-called Asian murder hornets, which decimate honeybee colonies and are a great hazard to uh, agriculture and our nation's food supply, do you think it's just a coincidence that it has now arrived in America for the very first time in history at the same time we're dealing with this, uh, this coronavirus pandemic? that has crashed our economy and done uh, such great damage and which also originated in China. And a lot of people pointed out that I was being conspiratorial and that I had no proof that this, uh, that this came to our shores from China or that it was done purposely. I will concede that I do not have any proof. What I do have is the ability to conduct a little deductive reasoning. This current crisis has been going on for what about 90 days now since these lockdowns uh, started and and uh, we've suffered all of this human suffering and economic damage and you can, you're telling me that after engaging in decades and decades of massive uh, trade with China and with Asia that just in this 3 month period that all of a sudden this this threat to our food supplies shows up in the Pacific Northwest, hard up against the border of Canada, which never instituted these travel bans. I'm not saying that I, I have proof that this happened, but I think the question has to be thoroughly explored. And I think it's, it's, um, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that China would unleash this threat on the United States. We know, as I said yesterday, that they, uh, they continued to allow massive amounts of fentanyl to flood into this country, killing tens of thousands of Americans every year. It's a very dangerous drug. It, uh, it's so easy to overdose on and is so addictive. And China could shut down that trade in a, a heartbeat if they wanted to do it. The fact that they didn't do it tells me they have malevolent purposes. 
And the fact that they allowed this virus to escape Wuhan and come to the United States and other parts of the globe, while at the same time limiting travel from that region to other parts of China, tells me that they are engaged in a, an active campaign designed to cripple and kill the United States and other countries throughout the world. So, yeah, I think this murder hornet showing up on our shores at this time is, uh, is a coincidence that uh, is hard to believe. We know that uh, they had established some, uh, some presence in British Columbia, north of Washington State, where this, uh, this uh, hornet was found to be destroying bee colonies. And most of the people that listen to this show are very familiar with the fact that honeybees are used in agriculture to, uh, to pollinate crops. And, um, you may not be as familiar with these, these honeybee colonies are not, um, are not native to all of these. The, these farmers pay beekeepers to bring these, these hives, uh, to their farms and, uh, colonate, uh, pollinate these crops. And, uh, and if you have an infestation of these murder hornets in your area, those, those beekeepers are just not going to risk their, uh, their hives by even, even coming to that area. So the race is on now to try to get a handle on this, but think of how easy it would be if somebody wanted to infest, uh, an area with these, these murder hornets, you wouldn't have to. Uh, you know, put them in areas where they would be found and eradicated, especially in the Pacific Northwest. There's uh, there's huge forests that you could just colonize and allow this thing to spread and get to the point where it's uncontrollable. And eventually uh, you could all but wipe out crops in a region or even nationally. So uh, join in the fun. Give me a call on the vent line at 772-245-0750 and let me know what you think about the possibility that this uh, this is another attack on our nation from China. The vent line again is 772-245-0750. If you'd rather, you can email me at rightnowjimdaws, that's spelled D-A-W-S, at gmail.com. Well, uh, Shelly Luther, a, a hair salon owner in Texas, has now become the face of the resistance as far as uh, ending these ill-conceived lockdowns. You know, m- more than anything else, uh, people in power love to exercise their authority. And you see that again and again, especially in law enforcement agencies. If you give someone authority, they tend to become drunk on it. And we, we're seeing across this country, mostly in Democrat states, but also in in uh, red states where Democrats hold control over uh, county commissions and city councils, that these these elected officials have become drunk on their power. And no place has that been more starkly illustrated than in Harris County, home of Dallas. Um, which is, you know, a blue island in a red state. And this Democrat um, judge, Eric Moyer, who has uh, thrown a business owner in jail and fought for, a, a, what is it, two weeks? No, seven days, 
fined her $7,000 for having the gall to open her business. Now, nobody was forcing her employees to come to work there. Nobody was forcing any of her customers to come and get their hair cut. And they were observing precautions against the spread of this virus. But this uh, this leftist judge who is celebrated in the New York Times and other left-wing publications for his consistently left-wing rulings insisted that Shelley Luther apologize and admit she was wrong if she wanted to avoid jail time. And to her great credit, Shelley Luther uh, stood up for herself, her family, her workers, her customers, and for the U.S. Constitution, which these orders that uh, Shelley Luther was was violating are blatantly and on their face unconstitutional. And, uh, you know, we're charged as keepers of uh, our founding documents not to abide by uh, laws that are unconstitutional, and that's what Shelley Luther did. And she did it in a very public way, which is also, um, you know, keeping faith with the Constitution, much more so than this judge. And here's uh, here's what she had to say prior to being um, locked up by Judge Moyer. I'm getting arrested today, um, and I will do everything I can to keep the shop open because I'm not closing the store. If they arrest me, I have someone that will keep the store open because it's our right to keep the store open, and it's a right for those women to earn income for their family. And if anyone has anything to say about that, there's something wrong with you. You ask how you can support me? Open your business. It's your business. I appreciate you sending me money, but just open your business, please. That's how you help me. They can't put us all in jail. Amen. And that is the very essence of of how you oppose these these unconstitutional measures. You ignore them. And you let them know that uh, that you're not going to comply. And there's an election coming up. And this uh, this judge, this Democrat active judge, Eric Moyer, is an elected official there. And uh, and he most certainly should be turned out of office by the good people of Texas. Jailing a mother for keeping her salon open so that she can provide for her family is such an outrageous and absurd abuse of his judicial power. Well, uh, Andrew Como has oddly enough become the, the most popular politician in the Democrat party far outstripping Joe Biden. A lot of the, uh, the Democrat insiders and, and faithful want to replace Joe Biden on the ticket with uh, governor Como. And you have to ask yourself, well, well, what's the, what's the rationale behind that? By any measure, Andrew Como has been the uh, the worst governor in this country in his preparation and response to this uh, th- this epidemic. When uh, when it came to his state, he had already sold off his supply of ventilators at surplus, auctioned them off, while at the same time sinking billions of dollars of taxpayer money into these green 
uh, schemes that satisfy his, uh, his radical left-wing base. And he was caught out. And New York has become uh, the, the, the hardest-hit, worst-managed state in response to this. And now we're learning that Andrew Cuomo signed an order that made it illegal for nursing homes to not uh, take patients or um, residents who were infected with this virus. And we also know, Como knew it, that the people in those nursing homes are the most vulnerable population when it comes to this virus. And yet, he demanded that nursing homes uh, admit infected people while at the same time he had thousands of of empty beds in that in that uh, hospital at the the Javits Center, not Javits Center, the oh, I can't remember the name of it, but that uh, that big hospital that the Corps of Engineers built. He had hundreds of empty beds on the the Navy hospital ship, and yet he was insisting up until just about a week ago that these nursing homes except infected COVID-19 patients. I hate that term, COVID-19. It's the Wuhan virus. They're now, you know, they never used to do that. You named a a virus or a disease from the area in which it came. I remember the Hong Kong flu was uh, a a worse epidemic than this back in 1968 when I was eight years old, or seven years old, I should say. But, uh, you know, Como uh, made a habit of shaming people who who objected to his his lockdown orders, saying that you're going to kill grandparents at the same time he was making those kind of statements. He himself were were reinfecting nursing homes with this idiotic executive order that he issued. And we're now learning that uh, the whole lockdown's were ill-conceived to begin with. The vast majority, I think over 66% of the new uh, infections in New York are people that have been locked down in their homes. The people that have been out and about make up a a smaller share than the people who caught it uh, complying with those lockdowns. So all of the assumptions that the lockdowns are based on are are being called into question, if not outright disproven at this point. You know, at the same time, uh, they were doing mass lockdowns in New York State and uh, allowing nursing homes to be infected. Governor DeSantis down here in Florida was taking the exact opposite approach. He was locking down the nursing homes and largely allowing people to to continue to go about their uh, their business. Here is a clip. Uh, I think this is from the press conference DeSantis had with Trump last week, when he was uh, pointing out Florida's strategy, which has, by any measure, been far more successful than Andrew Cuomo's in New York. 
Um, but we're in a situation now where we have so many more tools to be able to detect. And, and one of the things that um, I was talking to Dr. Burks about, our Florida Department of Health, we have a fully integrated uh, health system with the counties. We have been doing contact tracing from the very beginning. Now, sure, once the outbreak gets to a certain point, the mitigation is really what you do. The contact tracing is not going to be able to stop like what was going on in New York City. But in Florida, we had such an uneven outbreak, we were doing contact tracing throughout this whole time in parts of the state that the outbreak wasn't as severe. They limited the spread uh, and did it very effectively. And so that's going to be a huge part of what we're doing going forward. And we think that uh, we think that that can be successful. And we're going to have so many more opportunities with sentinel surveillance. We're offensive with the nursing homes. Nothing's going to change on, on the nursing home testing. This is until this virus goes away. This is the population that is most at risk. In Florida, we have close to 85% of the fatalities have been age 65 or older and most of them have some comorbidities and so these are the types of facilities that are the most at risk so nothing's going to change on that we're going to continue uh, protecting elderly and we messaged that very early about the risk about how they should stay home I wasn't going to arrest an elderly if they you know left their house but we told them limit contacts because you're more at risk and they listen that's why you go to a place like the villages there were articles written saying, oh, the villages is going to crash and burn, all this other stuff. They have like a 2%, 2.5% infection rate. We tested 1,200 asymptomatic and none were, none were found to have the virus. And so this is this message of understanding the risks are different for different parts of our communities and age and health and, and continue doing all. So I think what you'll see is uh, however we move forward, and I'll announce that soon, you're going to see even more attention paid to the vulnerable. Uh, and I think that that's what we need to be doing. Absolutely is what we need to be doing. We should have been doing it all along in places like New York. And we were doing it all along in places like Florida. I uh, witnessed firsthand the, uh, the, the wall to wall approach they did and, and, um, and identifying the, the threat and, uh, and mitigating, uh, you know, we've got an airport here where I'm located and, uh, they had health people at that airport, um, screening people that were coming in on their private planes. And, uh, and if they were from one of the infected areas, uh, like New York, they were, uh, they were instructing them to do a two week voluntary quarantine. And they were, they were going by, uh, these houses where, where these people were going and checking on them and, and making sure that they understood that they were uh, expected to comply. So stick with us. We'll be right back. We got this brief commercial message. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver, 
driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. So, (laughs) I don't know if they did this on purpose, but yesterday the Trump administration announced an overhaul of Joe Biden's um, policies that they pushed under Title IX out to all of these colleges and universities, about 4,000 of them throughout this country under Joe Biden. They were uh, forced to do away with the presumption of innocence and due process uh, in these um, sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations so that the accused was presumed to be guilty and had to prove as innocent, and he was denied the opportunity to, uh, to see the evidence against him and confront his accusers, and those were the the policy is that Joe Biden forced these colleges to the, to accept if they wanted to continue to get federal funding under the new secretary of education, Betsy DeVos, uh, the, the regulations have been rebalanced. They still give the accuser a full opportunity to make their complaints and, uh, and prove their cases, but they also restore some balance to the accused uh, by requiring that uh, there be a, a, a tribunal uh, to hear these cases, that the cases cannot be made summarily, that the accused has an opportunity to defend himself and see the evidence against him, and to uh, cross-examine witnesses. The new guidelines are a grievance process that, uh, that uh, treats the accused as innocent until proven guilty. It's odd that you even have to say that. As it's what Western jurisprudence is based on. And it requires the schools to provide a written decision and rationale, which was not always the case before. They would just summarily uh, uh, expel these these accused from the universities and often ruin their lives. And then they'd have to go through the courts for years and years to try to recover damages and recover damages they did. And hundreds of cases across this country, colleges and universities have had to pay damages because they um, they did great damage or really even destroyed the rights of the accused uh, by denying them any sort of uh, a fair hearing. So in the aftermath of that, Joe Biden, of all people, who, who stood the presumption of innocence on its head and made it a presumption of guilt, <laughs> stepped out and uh, and condemned the uh, the the new measures and, uh, and promised that if he's elected, he is going to reverse them. This is the same Joe Biden that is now being accused by Tara Reid of assaulting her. He wants the presumption of innocence. He wants, uh, you know, the accuser to have to prove her charges, but he doesn't want to give that same consideration to anybody else that's been accused. And we're now learning also that he's picked Chris Dodd <laughs> to, to head his vice presidential exploratory committee. 
He has allowed Chris Dodd, a notorious lech on Capitol Hill. I think he's out running the uh, Motion Picture Association of America now, but he was a senator for many, many years and former presidential candidate himself. And he was notorious on Capitol Hill for, uh, you know, getting shit faced with Ted Kennedy and, and going out and, uh, and harassing and assaulting, uh, unsuspecting women. There was a famous case, uh, you know, where he and Ted Kennedy, uh, are said to have made a sandwich out of a poor, uh, cocktail waitress at one of the bars where they frequented. She brought sexual assault charges against both of them. Those, I suppose, are pushed down the memory hall at the Senate, um, you know, complaint office where those uh, those records have been made illegal, illegal to release. You can't even give them permission as the complainant or uh, the person being charged to release those those records. And I have no doubt that U.S. taxpayers footed the bill for a, a large settlement with uh, that woman and other women that were harassed and assaulted by uh, by Chris Dodd, who is now heading Joe Biden's vice presidential exploratory committee. It's, I mean, it's breathtaking hypocrisy, but it's also entirely predictable because that's the very nature of politicians and most especially Democrat politicians. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the murder hornets. And we're going to take about a look at Facebook's new censorship board right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. If you have thyroid eye disease and itchy eyes have you itching for a fight, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, Facebook is impaneling a new independent oversight board to determine which opinions are going to be allowed on their platform. They've got about three and a half billion users worldwide. That's that's a little less than half the world's population is on Facebook. And, uh, and a, a great majority of Americans where the platform has started are on Facebook and use it daily, allow themselves to be spied upon, their locations to be tracked, their buying habits to be documented. Facebook knows more about you than you know about yourself. If you don't believe me, you can get into the the settings and uh, and look it up. They'll uh, they'll be able to tell you what you've uh, purchased online, 
what you've written about, who you've contacted, where you've been. And, uh, and all, all of this data is sold to, uh, to advertising agencies who, who knows what they're using it for and, and who they allow access to this. But this new oversight board, they, they call it an independent oversight board, and it's made up of the majority of the people um, are from, uh, you know, countries that do not have traditions of liberal democracies or human rights. And, uh, and they're going to be making the final binding determination of whether any specific content that you put up there is going to be allowed or removed. This is how powerful these social media platforms have become. They control your speech. They determine what they're going to do with your data. And now they're impaneling a special committee to decide what is and what is not acceptable opinion for you to communicate on their, their platforms. And we're in a terrible mind. I have, I don't think that our founders ever envisioned that America's speech was going to be controlled by a panel made up by a majority of foreigners. I think 25% of the seats on this board are going to go to North America. I don't know how that breaks down between the U S Canada and Mexico, but the rest of the seats are going to be made up of, uh, of people from um, parts of the world that have no free speech protections and no second amendment rights and no um, right to due process. And, uh, and you wonder, well, maybe they're putting people that are going to be unbiased and objective in their determinations. Well, (laughs) you can forget about that. One of their new censorship czars is, uh, is this anti-Trump leftist that we saw during the impeachment hearings. Her name was Pamela Carley. You may recall her. Here is a a clip of her at uh, the impeachment hearing that'll probably jog your memory. power to give to do, does not have give him the power to do anything he wants and i'll just give you one example that shows you the difference between him and a king which is the constitution says there can be no titles of nobility so while the president can name his son baron he can't make him a baron <laughs> well you may you may think that sounds a little unhinged for someone testifying before a um a, a committee contemplating the impeachment of the president of the United States, but that was, that was really one of the least of her, her, um, statements again and again, she showed that she did not have a, a clear understanding. She's a, um, a law professor at Berkeley university, university of California at Berkeley. And, uh, again and again, during those hearings, she showed that she did not understand the impeachment clause, that she was a, um, a committed left-wing activist, at one point, um, Matt Getz uh, questioned her about her opinions and, and brought some. Professor Carlin. Excuse me on the uh, clips today. Um, at one point, Matt Getz questioned her and uh, and exposed exactly who she was and who the Democrats had brought forward as their experts on the impeachment of Donald Trump. 
Thank you. Reason. I appreciate your testimony, Professor Carlin. You gave two thousand bucks, or you gave a thousand bucks to Elizabeth Warren, right? Uh, I believe so. You gave twelve hundred uh, bucks to Barack Obama. I have no reason to question that. And you gave two thousand bucks to Hillary Clinton. That's correct. Uh, Why so much more for Hillary than the other two? Because I've been giving a lot of money to charity recently because of all of the poor people in the United States. Well, those aren't the only, those aren't the only folks you've been given to. Now, you, you, have you ever been on a podcast called Versus Trump? I think I was on a live panel that the people who ran the podcast called Versus Trump. On that, do you remember saying the following? Liberals tend to cluster more. Conservatives, especially very conservative people, tend to spread out more. Perhaps because they don't even want to be around themselves. Did you say that? Yes, I did. Do you, do you understand how that reflects contempt on people who are conservative? No. What? I- now, listen to this BS that she puts forward next. This, and keep in mind when you're listening, this is a law professor at one of our so-called uh, elite educational institutions that the Democrats have called forward to, to uh, testify in the impeachment of the president of the United States. You ask me if this woman sounds honest or stable. People who are conservative? No, what I was talking about there was the natural tendency, if you put the quote in context, the natural tendency of a compactness requirement to favor a party whose voters are more spread out. Well, and I do professor, not have contempt hold on. I'm, again, for conservatives. I'm very, I'm, I'm very limited on time, professor. She, she doesn't have contempt for conservatives. She just thinks that they are so full of self-loathing that they can't even stand to be around each other. And so I just have to say, when you talk about how liberals want to be around each other and cluster and conservatives don't want to be around each other and so they have to spread out, it makes people, you may not see this from, you know, like the ivory towers of your law school, but it makes actual people in this country when feel the like, excuse calls me, me, you don't get to interrupt me on this time. Now, let me also suggest that when you invoke the president's son's name here, when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. It makes you you look like you're attacking someone's family, the minor child of the president of the United States. So let's see if we can get into the facts. To all of the witnesses, if you have personal knowledge of a single material fact in the shift report, please raise your hand. And let the record reflect. No personal knowledge of a single fact. And you know what? Well, I, I could go on and on with that. She was uh, she was a tour de force of unhinged left um leftism left thought and now facebook is putting her as one of the people that are going to decide and, and one of the the few spots we've got for uh people in in uh, the united states of what is and what is not going to be allowed one of the other people that facebook put on the censorship board uh this censorship board had compared donald trump to adolf hitler he actually he uh, he liked a tweet that uh, that compared. No, actually, he supported it. He 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 authored a reply to that and and reposted it. So, Facebook is uh, is going to continue down this road of censorship, and we've got to do something to to either uh, limit. Well, what we actually need to do is uh, is go to our own platforms. If the left wants to wallow in its uh, 
it's uh, you know uh, uh, Marxist theory and it's hate against uh, traditional Americans. They they should be allowed to go to Facebook and Twitter, and uh, conservatives need to go to their own um, platforms that protect free speech. Twitter, for their part, have uh, have developed new technology that is going to determine in advance whether or not a tweet that you're uh, about to send contains harmful language, as they like to call it. Jack said that when things get heated, you may want to say things that you don't mean. And in order to let you rethink your uh, your reply, we're running a limited experiment with a prompt that gives you the option to revise your your reply before it's published and that, that could be harmful. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of uh, George Orwell's 1984. They're going to censor you in advance. There was a, a film called, uh, pre, uh, called Minority Report, which talked about pre-crime, where they were able to, to uh, take people in custody uh, that were contemplating crimes. They've got a trust and safety department over there at Twitter, and you know what their opinions of trust and safety are. If you insult or offend anybody on the left, then you're engaged in harmful activity. But, you know, the left can post assassination porn against the president. They can uh, call people Hitler and uh, white supremacists. They can... They can insult people and uh, show pictures of feeding the Covington High School uh, schoolboys through wood shepherds. All of that's fine. But if you, uh, if you express any opinions from the right side of the political spectrum, well, they're going to uh, remind you that that may be hurtful and uh, on threat of removing you and suppressing your speech. Stick with us. We're going to run out to a break. And when we come back, we're going to take another look at murder hornets right after these messages. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209-800-957-6209-800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. You know, one of the most authoritarian of the governors in these blue states is the, um, the left-wing governor of Oregon named Kate Brown, who's already extended her state's lockdowns till July 6th, a full um, two months from now. 
Is it? Yep. Yep. About two months from now, 60 days. Despite the fact that the state of Oregon has been uh, very sparsely affected by this virus, I think they're number 40th in the number of uh, confirmed cases. She's going to keep her state on lockdown for two more months. And we're now learning that uh, they that uh, the governor received about $1.6 billion of direct aid from the Trump administration. And in her huge state, every bit of that money has been distributed to uh, Portland, Oregon, the, the hotbed of Antifa and other left-wing organizations. So she gave... One area with about a half a million people, every bit of the stimulus funds, and ignore the other uh, three, about 3.6 million residents. They didn't get a dime. Jackson County leaders uh, are urging the governor to distribute the funds from the CARES Act to parts of the rural areas. And point out that uh, to date, all of the money has gone to the Portland area. $1.635 billion from the CARE Act. She's, uh, she's supporting her cronies out there in Portland. So, <laughs> I've, I, I probably ought not to go there on these murder hornets. I wonder, though, if uh, if our intelligence agencies are are investigating uh, the origin of, of this uh, this infestation and how it came to our shores, and what, if anything, is doing uh, they're they're doing to try to to uh, combat this. Well, we're now learning that uh, that Rod Rosenstein was knee deep in the, this Russia Gate or this Russia hoax. He has been uh, caught out uh, by the release of a memo authorizing Robert Mueller's anti-Trump investigation um, based on his, his uh, or citing, I should say, the, uh, the, the Steele dossier and, uh, and authorizing the investigation into Michael Flynn because they say he had violated the so-called Logan Act because he had communicated with uh, the Russian ambassador while he was, um, you know, uh, before the president was inaugurated. Now, this is perfectly normal and, uh, and routine activity. An incoming administration establishes relationships and... Uh, and reaches out to foreign governments, let them know what they can expect from the incoming administration. And this is what the uh, the frame job that they put together against Michael Flynn was based on. The August 2nd, 2017 scope memo that was provided uh, by the Department of Justice to the Senate Judiciary Committee, headed, headed up, of course, by the weak and ineffective Lindsey Graham, cites this Steele dossier, conspiracy theories about uh, Carter Page and, uh, and Paul Manafort. Rosenstein ordered Mueller to investigate allegations that Page had committed crimes or crimes by colluding with the Russian government officials with respect to the Russia's 
efforts to interfere in the 2016 elections. There was never any basis for that belief. And as a matter of fact, Carter Page was a longtime uh, informant for U.S. intelligence agencies. But you see, they wanted to get uh, their foot, their their camel's nose in the tent by uh, by e- wiretapping Carter Page. It allowed them access both going forward and going retroactively to all the communications that he had with the campaign, either voice or text or emails. Rosenstein's memo also peddled these conspiracy theories and this discredited legal theory about the Logan Act, which uh, criminalizes protected political speech by American citizens, not once has it ever been successfully prosecuted and hasn't even been even uh, been attempted to be prosecuted for over 100 years. It has become much like the so-called uh, Foreign Agents Registration Act, just normal practice in Washington, D.C., they targeted uh, Manafort for failing to register with the for, the FARA law. When you could walk up and down K Street in Washington, D.C. and hand out indictments like candy if you were going to ever enforce that law. And we saw that John Podesta's brother, Tony, who did exactly the same thing as Paul Manafort, as a matter of fact, was a partner of Manafort when he was doing it. His case was... Uh, was reached in and taken over by the Southern District of New York. They were pursuing their own anti-Trump agenda, and he was allowed to walk for doing the same things that Paul Manafort is now sitting in jail for. The Office of Inspector General's investigation revealed that Rosenstein repeatedly lied to the federal courts, used these bogus claims from the Steele dossier, and never uh, pointed out that the, uh, the dossier was funded by the Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee, which was controlled lock, stock, and barrel by the Clinton campaign. In the memo to Mueller, Rosenstein peddled allegations that Papadopoulos was a secret, unregistered foreign agent of Israel. And then, of course, they squeezed Papadopoulos until he pled guilty to a, uh, a minor crime of lying to the FBI in order to avoid the possibility of a long prison sentence. Well, out in France, uh, this epidemiologist named Didier Renault has continued his work uh, to validate his initial findings that hydroxychloroquine and zithromycin are very effective treatments against the coronavirus, while at the same time, um, the experts in this country have abandoned all of those efforts and this determination to put remdesivir. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that word. Uh, remdesivir. <laughs> this new drug that's being developed um, and that's under patent and is going to make the drug companies uh, billions of dollars. It's being put forward as the the new um, the new miracle cure, miracle treatment uh, for for uh, the COVID infection. 
At the same time, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine, uh, the determined efforts of the media has been largely discredited. Dr. Renault out in France has, uh, has, has uh, done a, conducted another study along with uh, many doctors throughout the world that hydroxychloroquine is, um, is a very effective treatment in decreasing the mortality in critically ill patients from the Wuhan virus. A Spanish study has concluded that in a cohort of 166 patients ranging in age from 18 to 85 that were hospitalized with the Wuhan virus, hydroxychloroquine treatment with 800 milligrams added to loading dose, uh, added loading dose individual survival when patients were admitted in early stages of the disease. And Dr. Oz, um, to his credit, continues to point out this evolving science. Here's a clip of him. Hey everybody, breaking news. I just got a note from Didier Rolt. Uh, he met with the French Premier Macron yesterday and presented data from his most recent update. And he sent me the abstract of that paper uh, just an hour or so ago. Uh, it was 1,061 patients that were treated early with hydroxychloroquine. That's the malaria drug we've talked about with azithromycin, the z um, And I'm going to go through the data so you all understand it. 4% of the patients had a persistent virus past 10 days. That means 96% of the patients were not infectious after that initial period. He thinks that's important because it reduces the ability of the virus to spread. 4% of these 1,061 patients, he says, had a poor outcome. But he defines a poor outcome as being in the hospital for more than 10 days, right? And, and that's actually uh, a, a pretty strict criteria. But uh, he had 10 people go to the ICU and he had five deaths out of the 1,061 patients. Again, there's no control study. Uh, there's no group that was designed to, to compare this to, but he says compared to the patients who worked on this medication and compared to results in other parts of France, uh, those are superior results. Uh, guess where there was also another, uh, not a randomized study, that was in this, uh, this new drug that, uh, that is now being pushed in the United States. We'll have to look at the final uh, analysis to assess that. 92% of the patients, therefore, had excellent outcomes in his mind, because they weren't in the hospital for more than 10 days, uh, and they didn't have a persistent virus for more than 10 days. Now, a couple observations that are important. First off, he found it to be very safe with low side effects. That reflects earlier information, but also, as he's argued and others have made the point as well, it's been used, these medications, uh, for in hundreds of millions of people, maybe billions of people, without major concerns, so it reinforces that. Well, there were very little concerns about the use of hydroxychloroquine until Donald Trump uh, thought that it might be a good therapeutic and then it became um you know a, a a huge danger to the american public so in spite of all the evidence that hydroxychloroquine and the z packs are a viable alternative for treating this virus these other studies that are no more valid than the ones that uh, didier renault has conducted have been accepted with open arms and now have been embraced could it be because there are billions of dollars to be made by these big pharmaceutical companies uh, with this patented drug? Hydroxychloroquine is, is uh, from the 1940s. It's been off patent and uh, can be made available cheaply through generics. Be a lot of, there's a lot of money at stake. And if you think that, uh, that the pharmaceutical companies don't consider these things, you just haven't been paying attention to the opioid crisis.
So I want to uh, I want to uh, bring you a sad story. Barry Farber, a um, conservative talk uh, radio pioneer, who had been going on uh, big blowtorch fifty thousand watt radio stations decades before Rush Limbaugh ever came on the scene. Barry Farber has now passed away at his ninetieth birthday. And I, um, I, I've listened to Barry Farber. I've, I've met him. Uh, he used to broadcast in Atlanta where I was from and, uh, his brother had a, a bar in town and, uh, Barry Farber would, when he came to town, he would, uh, he would frequent that bar. And I, I met Barry Farber. He was a fabulous talk radio host in 2009 talkers magazine named him the number nine on its list of most influential talk show hosts in American history. He was inducted into the national radio hall of fame in 2014. It was back in 1960, 28 years prior to the arrival of Rush Limbaugh on the national radio scene. And more than three decades before the internet and new media gave, uh, gave citizens the ability to listen to alternative radio shows like this that Farber began broadcasting his own radio show from New York City at WINS 1010. He was almost never off the air. He had a small group of um, talented broadcasters that supported his show. Barry Farber was from North Carolina. He based his show in New York City most of his life, but after uh, several years on the air, he moved to WOR, AM 710, the 50,000-watt blowtorch, and that allowed his voice to be heard all up and down the eastern seaboard. But he, uh, he was a prolific writer as well. His show was still broadcasting as of last year. He was 89 years old, but he still broadcasts five nights a week from his apartment on CRN, Digital Talk Radio, carried his program since 2009. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. I, I, I stopped listening to Barry Farber uh, when I moved down here because I, I didn't know it was available. CRN is a uh, an Internet-based radio station, and I wish I had known. I'm going to go over there and see if his archives are available and listen to some of his more recent shows this weekend. Barry Farber, dead at 90. He will be missed. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us tomorrow. If you tune in, we're going to get back on to the murder hornets. Let me know if you think it's possible that China introduced these things purposely as an attack on, on America. Call the vent line at 772-245-0750 and let me know your thoughts. So we'll talk to you tomorrow. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.